Hello. So sorry about the confusion, and I'm not trying to ignore you. No, it's, dude, it's so, it's so totally okay. Like, everything is so jacked up right now. I just don't know if, uh, I just don't, like, people I'm meeting during this time probably think I'm flaky, and I'm not normally. It's just, yeah, I have no sleep pattern. I just fall asleep when I fall asleep and I wake up like, and I wake up when I wake up yesterday in the day, the first time I've set an alarm to wake up in months. And that's because I started doing this podcast again. Um, Wait, do I need my video or do I not need my video? You don't need it. I mean, I like to see people I'm talking to and let them see me, but I'm not going to use it out in the world because if uh -huh. I did, I would have a much better background. <laughs> than my makeshift kitchen in my bedroom. That's awesome. I live in a house with, uh, things have changed since last season of Fat Lonely Bitch, uh, exponentially in my life. And now I live in a house uh, with a bunch of dudes. And oh. yeah, it's... I these are awesome, <laughs> but they can be a little messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, girls can be messy too. I've seen, I've seen all kinds. Yeah, that's really the. Well, when you get four to five of them, the odds that three to five of them are going to be messy is probably pretty good. To certain degrees of messy, you always have like the really disgusting one that everyone bitches about. <laughs> blame it on everyone else this is the same as in a household i had four kids this is like it's wow. the same fucking dynamics you know and then, <laughs> and then you got then you got the one that just kind of like leaves their shoes and stuff everywhere but not like dirty they clean up the kitchen and the bathroom they're not gross there which is fine you know and then you got another one that's kind of somewhere in the middle of those two but i'm like I'm like the roommate that you don't even know lives there when you're in the outside world. Really? You know what I mean? Like you don't see any, you would not think that a woman lives here by anything that's in that living room. <laughs> um, you see no sign of me out there. There. That's because there. I have this especially, but. That and I have, I have the master suite. I've moved up okay. as far as space. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So anyway, I have a master suite too. Actually, enough about me. Uh, <laughs> I talk a lot. This is like I, I, I'm a terrible podcast host. No, no, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. I like it. Well, that's what this is about. This is about like this is about me just connecting with people. You know, it started during the well, yeah. Like I cried the last two weeks of March. Wow. And panicked when comedy got shut down. Yeah. Same. And then, because that's all I have is comedy here. You know what I mean? Like, so I like panicked. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't prepared for comedy okay. to just be ripped away so quickly. Um, I had not been paying attention to the news, I guess. I don't know. It just felt so sudden to me. And then. I know. I know a lot of people were like that. Yeah. And then um, April, I just spun out. Oh, I also had a, I got, I got a job and then four days later I got fired from it. And then the dude I'd been dating and I broke up. 
or stop seeing each wow, other. Wow, double way. It wasn't like my boyfriend, but we, we've been seeing each other two, three, you know, one, two times a week or so for five months. Two, three months. Uh, two, I think it was two months, but I was out of town for two weeks and he was out of town for one week of that. So it was like two months of time. But anyway. And Sounds it was, tough, Mom. It was a dramatic. And then, and then the pandemic lockdown. <laughs> a dramatic breakdown, breakup. Yeah, it was a dramatic breakup. And so, uh, yeah, so I just spun out for April. Actually, I just shut down for April is what I did. I spun out the last couple weeks of March and then all of April, I just didn't care. Like I just stayed in my house and didn't go out any more than I had to and just kind of accepted this and just watched TV and just, but I didn't, I just didn't, I just didn't care. I just shut down for like a month. And then. You're not the first person that's told me that like the month of April was just something. You shut down. I was just like whatever, <laughs> nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to lay here. Uh, <laughs> <play pop. laughs> but then I started this podcast and that helped talking to people. There were some days though, I didn't want to do it. I'm doing it different this time. Like I'm only normally, like I have one, another one today because we had to reschedule, but I'm trying to just do one a day. Cause I had some days. Cause I was like, anybody talk to me between noon and nine, <laughs> like seven days a week. And so, and I didn't put buffers in between, you know, it's a learning process. I only gave it an hour, which they always ended up being more than at least an hour and a half. Some were like three hours. And then, so I'm trying to like limit it. So by the time I get to that third person in that day, I just was like, I don't want to fucking talk to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I don't feel like connecting anymore with anyone right now. Right. But, well, it's good you're pacing yourself. I'm trying. Um, I'm doing this weird Zoom thing, okay? I honestly, I'm going to tell you something that I'm a part of that I don't even understand what I'm a part of. Like, I honestly, <laughs> someone in the group even mentioned, like, we're all thinking we're going to get, like, kidnapped and, like, hoods on our head and then end up somewhere. Um, basically, this guy... No, now you, now your face is scared. I'm not scared. I'm intrigued. I'm excited. My face doesn't always convey the right emotions. I'm excited. I'm like, yes, tell me more. Yes. Okay, so this is honestly the Zoom link that this guy sent me. And he said, you know, you can come on. It's between 10 to 1 at night, every night. And he started this somewhere in the beginning of May. And I started going to these at the beginning of June. And it's, it's like, it's like the weirdest thing. Like it's, he's invited like mostly comedians, mostly comics, producers, people in the comedy world. He's posted this link in several comedy groups and he's trying to get us to be, it's almost like a reality TV Zoom thing. He likes us to interact with each other. And there have been people who say that he's this casting agent. There are people who say he like his, dad was his professor in MIT he went to MIT as well um for genetics biology I think his father was in genetics or something about DNA is that just based on what he said or do you know that for a fact well his name is Will Philly and when you look up his father like his fa the name of his father comes up and she, she told him at least <laughs> William Philly and apparently, 
Um, That's good. Your family created Apple Jacks, and he's this MIT professor. And so theories are that he's doing this weird social experiment. He likes us to think about celebrities that look like us. Like, I think this is my theory on the whole thing. He wants to prove that people who look like each other get along easier. Maybe this is reality TV that's going to eventually become a thing. I don't know. No one knows. We're just a part of this thing. Or he's starting a cult. That is also very possible. But I mean, how how far can you go? The cult of comics. Now would be a great fucking time to start a cult. I'm just saying. The people are people are in a weird headspace. It it's real easy to get in there right now into like people that are normally not this weak minded. I'm just saying. I I don't a lot of thinking. That's well. You know what? Honestly, you're not the first person. Maybe I this dude. I've thought about starting a comedy cult. But it's not going to be like a destructive cult. Uh, <laughs> well, to like, what is a, a non-destructive cult? Well, I would like. To- it's got to do with the nonprofit that I do. You know, it's uh, you know, it's teaching, giving scholarships to teach women and uh, the queer community for a shorter version, the queer community, and then troubled youth to do comedy and improv. Okay, so I start, I I find these people, I pay for them, I I help foster their careers, right? And then I become like their, 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 uh, god damn it, I can't think of his name now. My brain is mush. Um, Rodney Dangerfield. Okay, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't want to act, so no one's going to know me on a mass scale. Like, if Rodney Dangerfield hadn't been in movies, the the masses wouldn't know who he is. Right, but right. comedians would, you know. Anyway, but then, like, because of the nonprofit, I want to have, like, a summer camp thing out in, like, East Colorado where land is cheap, and I could probably get it donated at some point. Build some tiny home cabin shit out there or something. And, uh have just like summer camp for comedians, you know, and just the like intensive comedy workshops and shit, you know, like writing, whatever it is. But, you know, eventually that would be, it would be a commune more than a cult, I guess. But (laughs) I would be the supreme leader, but only in the way that if someone fucks up, I will just kick them out. That's good. You know, based on common sense rules of consent and, and, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to use, I want to use my power to shut down misogynistic predators and their allies and cancel them (laughs) Uh, to protect, you know, the scene, to foster a scene that has, is a safer place for more females and queers and other kinds of people to come into because that's how you do societal change you that is that is very true you want to get them in the media you want to get them in entertainment so like comedians become actors they uh, improv people get on snl you know it these are the people that we end up on our screens and that's how you make societal change in this modern age because like look at like uh why racial relationships 
my daughters are Hispanic. I'm 42. My oldest is 23. When we were our cute little Hispanic family, um, 23, 21, 20 years ago in Wichita, Kansas, people gave us the side eye and you could see it and you could feel it. Um, not a lot, but enough that you notice. And, um, that's gone in Wichita like that. It's no big, it doesn't, I mean, they may think it, but there's no like visceral external reaction to it anymore. Um, yeah. And it's great. I grew up in Toronto, so I know that multicultural diversity, you know, I, yeah. Like what, what you're from Canada. What, yeah. uh, what, what's it like up there? <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I mean, depends on where you are. A lot of which, a lot of Kansans, or not Kansans, but Americans act like, I'm going to Canada. Like, Canada don't want your ass. <laughs> there Canada are places don't. in Canada that are very much like um, how I would assume like Texas is. Texas? You know, like white and just like kind of people who like to still put up the Confederate flag. <laughs> like, that's like stuff I saw in Alberta. And I'm sure there's stuff I can see here in Ontario. Wait, 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 wait. Are they from America? Um, you know, I think there are a lot of Americans in Alberta, but a lot of these Canadians. Why would a Canadian? It's, it has racist undertones. So I know. That's that. I'm just saying, like, people are like, it's about Southern heritage. And this is proof that it's not. If Canadian-born Canadians are flying it it is yeah. not about they don't have southern fucking heritage no no it's it's definitely just to prove that it's, they can it's to say hey i don't like people of color stay the fuck away from me that's good you know sadly even in toronto there's still i i've seen racism even with like the diversity and everything i have that I have a black friend. He said that he likes it now because before you didn't know who was racist just walking around. And now they're real easy to spot. So at least he knows where they're at. He, you know, they're more out in the open now, which everyone, he's you like, hey, what we, huh? In the U.S.? Yeah. Like huh? the racists have always been there. And as a black person, he knew it. Um, but you know, you're just walking through the store. It wasn't easy to spot who was racist. Well, now they have naked the Trump hats and all these. There's a lot of symbols that show who someone is that they just wear on their body or put on their car or whatever. Now that there wasn't before, uh, you see someone in a "Make America Great Again" hat, you know they're a racist, and you stay away from them. <laughs> is his. I Point. I think most Canadians don't support Trump and the ones that do, I mean, are clearly, you know, they're clearly what we call conservatives and just, yeah, like I don't, thinking, I don't I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not at all. I, I, yeah, I only know a couple Trump supporting comedians and they're both like rednecky dudes that it's like, yeah, of course you are. Of course. Like this, totally is on brand it's cool you know they do very well in the midwest <laughs> they <laughs> they love those dudes in wichita you know like the blue collar comedy tour bullshit guy you know whenever i post anything about 
anything that would do like anything liberal minded like on on my social media it's always like people from alberta or like right-wing like comedians who have to say the stupidest shit and comment on it and say like horrible things it's like it's like i just want to delete those two people off those two you know communities off my facebook and then i won't have to deal with like well you can just when someone does that, just unfriend them. I don't know. Then I didn't friend like most of my Alberta friends. And I just feel like then I just, I don't know why they think these things. It's just, I just, yeah, I just refuse. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean I won't be cool with someone in person necessarily, right. depending upon what it is. Um, they don't even have to comment. If they just share shit that I'm, I'm like, nope, I'm out. I don't want to see your feed. And I'll fucking, or I'll un, at least unfollow them. Um, if they com, if they comment shit, I'll delete the comment. Sometimes they get the hint if I just delete the comment. And then if they don't get the hint or they come back with, oh, gonna delete my comment. Can't fucking take someone not thinking like you. I'm like, not on my Facebook. And I. And it's not that I can't handle someone thinking differently than me. It's just that when someone thinks so polar, polar opposite of me on a topic that is very uh, important to me and a core part of like who I like, I don't think a lot of times because I just come off as like a regular ass cisgender, uh, maybe a lesbian female, but um, <laughs> most people that pay attention to my feed know I'm not a lesbian. So they talk about dating men a lot. So, you know, I just come off it. So they start talking shit on queer people and stuff and they don't, they don't make assumptions. Yeah. They don't, they don't realize that they're talking about me. They're talking about my rights trying to be taken away. They're talking, you know what I mean? And so like, how could I continue to be friends with you? If you're, and that's, that's basically like, if you're a Trump supporter, I can't continue to be friends with you in or out of anything because by supporting Trump, you're supporting someone trying to take away my rights and uh, go back to a time, my rights as a woman, my rights as a, as a queer person, my rights as, you know, an American citizen, like they're trying to take them away. And if you are supporting that, then you are not my friend. You are not my enemy, but you're not my friend. And I don't want you in my circle. I don't want you in my, I don't want your energy in my life. And so <laughs> I just, I just get rid of You'd them. Be happy to know I I voted Trudeau. <laughs> you voted what? Last election, I voted Trudeau. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't really know. I don't pay attention. Trudeau is like the Democrat. Your guys, I know that the guy, the the current guy is like real good looking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cute. Is he gay? No, he has a wife. <laughs> There's a really good looking gay guy who has a really good looking gay husband somewhere in the world that's in some sort of leadership position. I can't remember. I wonder, wonder. But they're still like just white dudes though. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. I'm waiting for the female prime minister. Yeah. We had one, but th they outed her after like four months. <laughs> it's like, that's not, that doesn't really count. Like I want a real woman prime minister there for four years to actually make change. I I want a female too, but I don't. Um, so not Hillary Clinton. Yeah, not Hillary. Um, 
she's just, I don't want to say she's a dude in a dress because that sounds transphobic, but you know what I mean. I'm talking about her brain, how her brain works. It's not, she's corrupt and in it and fucking not going to bring about change. She's going to bring about more of the democratic status quo, which isn't good enough anymore. So I know a lot of people who are like, I voted Trump because I just don't like Clinton. Yeah. She's established, but to me, she's, she's, she's. Are you smoking? Oh, vape. It's just nicotine vape. Okay. Okay. I have, I have marijuana here. Oh, nice. I smoked nice. that earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Nice, nice. Clinton's just. No, she's not going to make any change. It's just more of the same. It's more of the same. And that's the thing too, is like, it's more of the same that's going to continue to protect me. It's, you know what I mean? Like if I were voting based on what is best for me, sure, Clinton will do just fine. But if I really want any sort of change in this country, Clinton is not going to fucking do shit. Um, she'll get it, change things back to how they were before, but they still suck. So, you know, it's like making America great again. When? When were we fucking ever great? Never. I fucking hate this country, honestly. I really want to. They're like, if you don't like it, leave. I'm like, I would if I could, motherfucker. I can't even go visit <laughs> Nebraska right now. I can't fucking leave the country. And you know what's funny is make America great again is something that Obama was saying. Yeah, no, no. After Bush. And then Trump kind of took it and went a whole other direction with it. I don't know what the fuck Obama was talking about either. Again, let's just make America great. You gotta remember, it was like they had just come out of the Bush era. So I think that's my mentality of why he came up with that. We have been fucked since the beginning. <laughs> America was founded to behave in all of the ways that we are trying to fix now. It was founded by slave-owning, misogynistic, rapist. They, 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 it was, that's who it was started by, a bunch of fucking rich old white <laughs> who did whatever the fuck they wanted to whoever the fuck they wanted. It's just some of them happen to not be as bad as others. I wish there was more land on this earth we can just create our own country. Yeah, the fucking... Okay, let's just create our own country. <laughs> no, if you're gonna... Every country that's ever been created was created by going into just taking over. That's what I'm saying. Imagine if there was just land where there's no, no one, like, self-created land, and just, like, let's just I mean, do this all over. We're not taking nobody's land. We're not doing shit. We're just I would think with it. enough explosives and time, you could probably eventually form a island <laughs> you could i mean you could you could grow an island you uh, can grow an island <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh you just islands are made because like basically explosions happen under the ground with lava you know the earth shifting what? and like these explosions happen and it pushes earth up it pushes earth up it pushes earth up it pushes Earth up, and then the volcano eventually becomes inactive, and then you can live on it. That's how some islands are formed. You that, that 
ge what? That geology class they forced <laughs> me to take in college. It was really interesting. I got a C in it. <laughs> it's hard to just remember all that shit, but it was really fucking interesting. I love that class. I like the teacher. I always tried to not, like, I tried real hard not to miss the in-person class part of that. And then the labs and stuff. I really enjoyed it. I'm just not good at like memorizing things that much. It was too much information at once. If I, if I could take that class over a year, I probably could have done a lot better in it, but in just three months, it was too much information to try to cram in my fucking head. But yeah, it I learned a lot hard to remember things. Yeah. I have, I have what you call fibromyalgia. So I have like this thing called fibro fog. Yeah. So my head, I can't like my short term memory and this doesn't help at all. <laughs> no, I got in a car wreck, uh, freshman year of high school, really? pulled the car what and hit my head real hard and then i couldn't do math no more oh. <laughs> i was really good at math before that wow really really good and then because you don't realize how much of math is just remembering formulas it's it's right. really rem memorizing the rules um wow it, so it, is that the only thing that's that you know has messed up from that crash um no, my personality changed. I became more irritable. I became more like uh, I get sensory overload easier than I did before. I, I started to become like I always kind of I had already had anger issues at that point anyway. And then um, hitting my head kind of <clears throat> removed my ability to control my reactions to anger and I started to get more not violent on people, but you know, just kicking walls and throwing shit and, you know, breaking stuff when I got angry versus just yelling. And, you know, so, but also that, you know, there's a lot of hormones that come in at that time. It's just that these changes were like so immediate that I know they were part of my, like at the time I didn't realize they were part of my head injury. This is all like hindsight, you know? I had no, and my mom just assumed I was continuing down my path of being an asshole that I've been on for the last couple of years. And I actually got in the wreck when my, I wasn't living at home. Wow. I, I was, so it was sophomore year. Yeah, it was sophomore year. Not you were already out of the house. Latino people are not like that. They keep their children till they're. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was a special kind of asshole. Um, uh, no, what happens? My mom had had enough. She worked at Target and she was tired. It was the holiday times when they work all that fucking overtime. You know, it was like October. Um, so it was right before my 16th birthday. And uh, she just had enough. And I called her, I, well, cause she got mad at me for leaving my clothes in the washer and letting them sour. So they had to be rewashed and she needed to do her work clothes and all this shit. And I got in her face, nose to nose and called her a stupid fat cunt. Whoa. And, uh, she did not hit me. She backed me up around the house. She backed me into my bathroom. Um, I have my own bathroom and I fell in the tub and my shower rod hit my head. And she was like, that's what you get. My mom's never spanked me. She's not into like hitting people. And so, um, and then she went into her room and started packing a bag, started packing a bag for her and my little brother who was like four or five. And she was going to go stay with my grandma, my dad's mom. She's like, I can't live with her. I, I can't, I can't, I can't live with her. I'm going to kill her. <laughs> and Whoa, and so 
uh, a hard childhood, yeah. I was just an asshole. My kids were amazing, or my parents were amazing. But um, yeah, so I went to, I was like, you don't have to leave, I'll leave. I called my boyfriend and I was like, come get me. And I went and I stayed, because his mom didn't give a shit. She was a terrible mother. But um, yeah, so I went and stayed with him. He was like 17. And I was living there. I lived there through my 16th birthday, through Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then like early January, because I turned 16 in November, I got a job. And it was like my first day on the job. And he came home drunk and was going to make me late. And he couldn't drive because he was drunk. And so I said, well, I'll drive. It's the third time I've ever driven in my life. Wow. And I'm like, I'll drive. I have to get to work. You can drive your drunk ass home, whatever happens to you, whatever, you know. Wow. And uh, we took his mom's car and I wrecked it. And uh, he was supposed to take care of me because I had this head injury and make sure I didn't sleep more than four hours. And he did not. And so I called my mom. Well, my parents came. I hadn't seen my parents in like two months. And they called them and they came up to the hospital and they were all like, upset it was all it was a i'm sure that's when they were like they hated my boyfriend anyway we're over here on one side of the thing having this emotional reunion like oh baby girl i'm so <laughs> like mommy you know and then on the other curtain aside uh, across from us they're trying to do uh trying to get him to piss for a drug test and he's, wow. like, he's like, what, are you going to watch me shit too? And I was just like, my parents are just looking at me like, Helen, we just don't understand this. Why this boy? You know, I don't know. I love him. And, um, but I went back home just so my mom could take care of me. She like took off work for a week and made sure I didn't die. And uh, I just stayed. And then after that, my parents kind of stopped trying to control me and things got better. Yeah. They just stopped trying to control me. And I, went to school every day and graduated a year early stone hello again hey oh sorry for a second i was like oh my god is the audio not working <laughs> yeah. i was like what happened did i run out of zoom time or something or, i don't know no because it's just under an hour so they're just moving stuff around um so okay so you started comedy last year yeah yeah what got you how'd you get in so, uh, I started with Second City, and so I did my first level with, um, my teacher was Precious Chong, and that was a really cool experience. It's mostly, like, sitting in a room and just, like, uh, it was like a workshop, basically, for seven weeks, and then you had your, your first um, show. I don't even count it as my first show because I didn't, I barely knew any people. Yeah. So no one came to the thing, only like 10 people. One of them was like a, a kid, like a, a young kid with his mom. <laughs> and the other were like people over 60. And my jokes were very raunchy. So yeah, I got like zero laughs. And so I literally bombed my first ever show. And I still wanted to continue. So the fact that... <laughs> yeah, no, I did really well my first time. I just... I'm jealous because I, I had the worst experience. <laughs> got real lucky on the crowd. Uh, it was uh, older. She was a female comedian like in the 80s. And she wow. kind of lives in Wichita. And 
she had won Wichita's Funniest Person a few years before, but it was like either her birthday or one of her friend's birthday. She's like an old lesbian too. So she came out with like a table. It was like 20 older lesbian women and uh, 20 or 30 of them. And, and so who just happened to come to the open mic night. And that's the day I happened to say, decide I was going to go up. Um, so it all just worked out. Was it? But I, I mean, it felt really good. And that, like the first laugh I got, I was like, ha ha, yeah, <laughs> this is it. Um, so I came off the stage like, just feeling nice yeah that elated feeling but i have bombed in front of a bunch of old white people doing comedy in topeka <laughs> like the first it's I think always it, the old white people that hate <laughs> anything well, gay related or... i can do it now because i have kid material that's still a little dirty but um at the time i had 10 minutes of filth that's all i had uh <laughs> and they didn't laugh at at my joke where I'm like, and my face screams cocksucker. And so um, <laughs> I knew I was in trouble like a minute in. And um, I was like, there was a 15 year old. You're in a sinking ship. 15 year old boy sitting right in front of me. Um, and yeah, I was like, oh man, if y'all don't like that, you guys are not going to have fun for the next nine minutes. Uh, and then I was like, and that oh. never works out. Whenever someone says that, it's just like, oh, God. Oh, I had, literally. I couldn't go anywhere else in my head. I was like six months in. I didn't have more material. I didn't have the ability to crowd work. I didn't have the ability to go to switch up my material. I, I didn't have the knowledge to walk in there and see that crowd and know. And I went up first. So there was no one before me to test them out for me to be like, nope, they don't like dirty material to even have a chance to change it. Now I would walk in the room I would see that crowd. Um, I'd probably have at least one or two comedians before me that, you know, but even just walking in the room and seeing the crowd, I'd be like kid material. And then I just tell my kid material. It's pretty safe for, unless if I walk in and the crowd's a bunch of 20 somethings and a bunch of young people, I don't, you know, I know not to do my kid material if I was planning to, but yeah. So now I have like, you know, 30 minutes 40 minutes of material to play around with i can i can change it up when i get up you know when i get there i've never done anything past um like 10 minutes yeah yeah it takes time it takes so much time like how what are mics like where you're at like open mics ah uh, there's lots of they're horrible <laughs> well i mean are there a lot of them it's a huge scene. There's a lot of open mics. There's a lot of shows, but the open mics. Okay, for example, there's only like, from what I know, there's only one, like, uh, women um, only. So that you know includes whoever, like, uh, yeah. as well, and um, or non uh, gender non-binary as well. Yeah. There's only one of those open mics. We don't have any here that are exclusive to them. Okay, what? We don't have any here that are exclusive to exclusive. gender or okay. anything. Um, I, my mic that I just started, I said that preference is given to females and right. the, the LGBTQIA community. And so... Um, There's few, but not as many as you would like. Yeah, we have one now, the one I started. 
That's it. There's been some that have had, I mean, it's not like people haven't tried to have just inclusive ones. The thing is, is like, there's just not enough comedians. Um, like we have, the, we have on, on our comedy group, like there's a comedy group on Facebook for Toronto comedians. There's like almost 5,000 people on it. Yeah. So there is a lot of competition. There's a lot of comedians out there. But a lot of shows are just mainly like, it's like I will walk into a room full of white guys. Yes, that is. Yeah, you know, that's part of the nonprofit too, is that I'm trying to like, change that by recruiting basically there's 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 so many people out there that uh, you know in those communities in marginalized communities that could be so funny if they just like my friend Lynette in Wichita you know she just not everybody has it just to get up there like people shit on comedy classes all the time but some everyone has a different path man it's just like any other art form People That's get true. taught every other art form and they're like, you can't teach someone to be funny. I was like, no, but you can teach them joke structure. You can teach them to move the mic stand behind, how to hold the mic. You can teach them the, how to navigate the, the politics of, of a mic. You can, you can inform them with information that empowers them to feel comfortable in this space that they're walking into that is not safe for them. Um, or it feels not safe for them. And so it's, they also, the biggest thing I've seen that happens in these classes is the friendships that form between, you know, like two women and they go to the mics together. There's like a buddy system. So it's not as scary because not all women are. Yeah. I mean, I, first I'm like 30% dude is what I say. Like I'm like 70, (laughs) right. So I have that. I grew up, my best friend was my cousin. It was my cousin, Mike. I had, only brothers. I, I'm very comfortable dealing with dudes and their bullshit. Um, so, I mean, I, I like to tour alone. I, I, you know, I really, but I know that's just me and I understand why I completely, I still have those fears, but I'm also, some people call it brave. (laughs) My mother calls it stupid, but, um, yeah. So I just, I've just always felt comfortable in the male world i guess uh so i haven't had but i mean i still am a woman so i still i don't know it's like i have a different perspective on it um i want to tour but i I can't imagine touring on my own like that to me sounds scary like imagine like me just driving on my own cross country i love it that's daunting like especially it is scary but it's so it is like because you know girls go disappearing all the time i know man I do it more dangerous for a female comic for sure I do it with with precaution to a certain extent but I love driving I that's I like I do it about half the time I'm traveling somewhere for something I don't that's one reason I'm going crazy right now is like my car is not in I want to go to visit my friends in Nebraska at least it's like right there but my car is not in condition to go anywhere right now so I'm like Maybe it's a sign, though, because of the corona. Maybe you shouldn't be crossing state borders right now. I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like... (laughs) I'm safer here than I am in Nebraska. I'm safer here than I am in Nebraska. Nebraska is hard. They got four mics a week going in Nebraska right now. What? Okay, let me tell you how it's here. Because I wanted to actually ask you about this. Because you guys have it so... 
All right, because right now, all we're seeing in the news is your numbers for coronavirus is rising. That's all we're seeing is rising, 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 yeah. right? Well, we just started really testing for it, too. So who knows what the numbers were months ago? We have no fucking idea because we weren't testing. We, we were ignoring it for months. So who knows what the numbers should have been in the beginning, too. But Very true. there's no way to know. We do ha but either way, we have more. There's let's just say let's just say this is how it is for us right now. We have zero comedy. The whole province. Zero comedy. Maybe something is happening right now in Alberta. I've seen com comedy open up in Vancouver, but Vancouver is a very small scene. Very, yeah. very small scene. So honestly, there's no comedy. We have no idea when that will even be something that can be brought up as a suggestion to maybe that well no one knows no one, it right now it is uh it is in in a limbo basically as soon as the venues were allowed to have 50 people or less we people started opening up shows in mic well i'm i'm actually the first mic that's showing but i've limited it and it's outside on a patio but yeah i'm the that sounds not too bad, actually. Yeah. At least you're getting fresh air. You're not... It's out on... We have a lot... Here in Denver, we have a lot of venues that have really nice outdoor places because it's I mean, Denver. Don't you guys find it weird that, like, one of the comics... Um, I forget his name. He collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's, <clears throat> here's my take on it, and it's going to sound crazy, and probably insensitive to the bigger issue of other people, but here's how I explained it to my mother. <laughs> Comedy is the love of my life. So like she and my dad met in high school. They, my mom's never even kissed anybody else. So I'm like, mom, imagine you're a young love when you first married and you're just so in love. You can't live without that person. You can't breathe right. without them. And they tell you that you have to stay away from them for a year because maybe we're not sure you might give them a disease that maybe we're not sure maybe might kill them or you, would you stay away from dad for a year with no children? You don't have kids. Would you stay away from dad for a year? And she's like, no, I'm like, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm being asked to do is to stay away from the love of my life. Here's the thing. I have a different perspective on all that. And it's not because I don't love comedy as much as you do, but it's oh, because I, I was a prepper. A so the moment in the beginning, a prepper. Prepper? A prepper, a doomsday prepper. Oh, yeah. So. By growing up? I was watching shows, like, for example, show, there's a, there's a show called Doomsday Prepper about yeah. doomsday preppers. So <laughs> we Did all just. like this? Like your family? No, I'm the only one who warned everyone in my family in January, buy masks, buy hazard suits, buy this and that, because they're going to run out. And they all were like, really, really, really. And then eventually they were like, wow, and you had, you had a good point. And as much as I miss comedy so much, I'd rather protect myself. Yeah. Like, I'd rather, like, I think I already got the corona in February, so I'm not even, I like, I got it in January. There was some shit that went around the scene in January, like, November, December, January. Right? Right? I'm pretty sure I got it at an open mic, so I'm not even worried about my safety. 
But there are horror cases that I hear about, like regular mom and dads that have, were totally fine and then drop dead like this, and they're blaming the corona. And that's pretty fucking scary to me. I'd rather, you know. Yeah, I mean. What's up? We're doing, we, we wipe the mic off in between. Uh, really? People are wearing masks and, and, and the, you, the capacities are down. And you so just people are in the club with masks on and they're laughing? Well, no, like if you, like the tables are really far apart. They're more than six, they're six feet or more apart. And wow. so if you're sitting at a table with people you came with, they don't wear masks. So you take it off for the show. But when you get up and you're going to walk and mingle around at all, you're wearing a mask. If you're, you know. Um, That's good that you guys are doing masks. That's good. That's we're doing good. it as, it's, they're required. We're doing it as safely as we can. I know it's not that I love comedy more than somebody else loves comedy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I, um, all I have is comedy. Without no, comedy. No, seriously. No, I, mean, I, have I have humans and children and shit. Yeah, I mean, but they don't fill my fucking day. They don't fill my time. They don't give me any sense of purpose or direction anymore. They're grown. You know what I mean? Like, I have nothing else to focus on my life on other than comedy by design over the last year. Like, I, like last year, a year and a half ago, uh, my kids were old enough and I got divorced and I quit my shitty fucking corporate job and I was like, yeah. I'm going to do what I want to fucking do and what I want to do is comedy. For it. Wow. And I That's started, a huge sacrifice. I started the nonprofit. Not really. I fucking hated my husband. I hated my job. My kids were driving me nuts. It really yeah, but it is a sacrifice to come to follow your dreams. And the biggest sacrifice is that I don't have any animals of my own. That's the fucking sacrifice is that I don't, I like, I had a dog and she got killed and then I have other dogs in Wichita, but I can't have them out here. And it's just too hard to find a place to live with an animal. So I sent my other dog to live with my kids. I have no dog. I have no cats. I have no animals. I have nothing. Um, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have, uh, I don't got no boyfriend either. We're in the same boat. <laughs> I don't have a job. I was door dashing. Uh, okay. I don't want a job again. I don't want a day job again. Um, so your livelihood is comedy. So now I understand a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I don't make any money I, on it. I was just starting to make some money on it. I was just starting to at least break even on tours. I was actually in May was supposed to do my first like out of town headlining shows, like real headlining shows. Uh, that we're going to pay me money in uh, uh, New Orleans and Atlanta. And then the Corona. The corona really. Yeah. So my, com my career was, your yeah, this is like, I'm, I'm four years in and I really pumped a lot into those four years of devotion to it. And so I devoted my whole life to comedy. So yeah, it's hard when it got taken away, but it also has made me realize that maybe that's not the best, healthiest way to live my life. I mean, I knew like, I knew that eventually I was, my plan was just to like pump everything into it for like three years. And then wherever my career was, then I could take a step back and maybe start trying to build a personal life. <laughs> but, um, but now I'm like, fuck what, it was just taken away from me what felt like so quickly and easily, like, and out of nowhere. And it, 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 that can happen again. And then I'm going to grief right now. 
even though you're still probably back in it, it's not the same. It is not the same. Or the festivals are canceled. Shit is different. I honestly, I had to cancel my festival. Time to realize that it's like comics are suffering right now. Yes, because the uh, musicians. Like anyone who's doing live events, we're we're suffering right Even now. Even musicians, you can create and practice music without anyone there to give you immediate feedback. Um, it is impossible to fully write comedy properly without being able to do it in front of a real live fucking audience. I mean, you can in, workshop a joke as much as you want. You can zoom bullshit as <laughs> you fucking want. Yeah, but. The Zoom timing is a whole different thing to learn, actually. And it, it I, I, you know, it's something that I haven't done too much of because I don't want to fuck up my in-person timing. Um, <laughs> you gotta wait longer for the laughs because you'll cut them off. Or, or they can't hear you in your next line if people are laughing. Yes. It, to a degree that you have to like cut them off. You have to, there's a pause before the laughter. And so the timing of it is different. And, um, I mean, it's something I've been able to adjust to, but I don't, don't want permanently. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe like, it's something that you'll have to learn both ways and learn how to like switch it on and up. Like, yeah, I mean, we all I, have to learn eventually. It's like zoom comedy is like masturbating, you know, it's like, <laughs> sure. It works for the moment, but when it's over, it just makes you miss the real thing more. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a, good a good one. That's what Zoom comedy is like for me. Like, I'll do it to scratch. I didn't mind. laugh because it was too real for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was too real. I was like, oh, I feel that. Yeah. No, it's true. Man. I fucking... So, I mean, I only I only do Zoom mics. If my friend Brooke, who's in Omaha, co-host or host a couple of them. So I'll do hers. Cause I love her and I like seeing her beautiful face and she's so glowy and happy and she's loving this online shit. She's making friends in the UK and shit. <laughs> she's getting all the fucking online mics from her bedroom. Yes. Um, because positive out of all this, right? Yeah. Because she gets like, yeah, she kind of, she's, I don't want to say she's sensitive because people have really made that a negative connotation. You know, I don't see it as a negative thing to be sensitive, but she is, she's sensitive. I'm and sensitive I, too. And I'm, I'm kind of protective of her sensitivity because I don't want her to, to harden, to, to lose that because it's part of what makes her so beautiful. And so I just don't want her to lose that. But she's like, she's like 40. She's pretty set in her, 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 um, who she is. But it's just sometimes people make Brooke cry and then I want to punch them in their face. Um, yeah, I want to hurt people (laughs) cry. And I feel that completely, you know, you and I, I can relate when you were talking about your anger. I was like, I, I totally, totally relate. Yeah. Trust me. (laughs) It's a problem, but I've got, I mean, I don't physically react in anger. Like I used to, I don't throw things. Um, I might still throw things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Latina. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, my oh, I'm twenty. I'm twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah. There's, there's like, you'll see. There's like something that happens when you turn thirty, and then there's something that happens, at least for women, when they turn forty. That I'd always heard about, and I was like, bullshit. 
it's so fucking true. You just start. I think it's a process of sort of like, you know, they talk about older women become invisible as they get older. Um, so like in your thirties, like when that process first starts happening, you're, you're kind of like upset about it. You're like, oh. what? but then like you hit 40 and you start reaching this point of, you see the freedom in it of being off the meat market, essentially. Like you, you can go out in public and, and dudes just talk to you and want to be your friend and they don't, you're not in their head anymore as a potential romantic sexual partner. So that's just, that has been taken out of the equation for most men. And it's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I like it. Cause then I, only, I only have to interact. I only have to interact that way with men that I want to interact that way with. And, and I have the confidence to do that. Should I choose to want to fuck a dude? I can, make that happen or try to make it happen. I mean, I'm not like always successful, but trying to date, like, I, I mean, I'll ask men out and they tell me, no, it happens, you know, but. <laughs> Dude, I, I have a feeling that if you and I went to a bar, we'd be, we'd be good wingmans for each other. Like, I just have that vibe. I don't, know. I don't know. The, <laughs> last, the last time I went to a bar and tried to pick up dudes in person, I struck out twice. And cried in my class. That's nothing. Oh, don't cry. Never it wasn't cry. my bar. It wasn't my crowd. One of them was a comedian that I knew I was probably going to not. He was not oh, going to go for it. Comics are the worst. Don't comics. date comics. I know. I was don't bad. date comics. He would have been fun, though. Um, <laughs> that's the You're hardest so part. Right? Is because, like, yeah, I spend the majority of my time around comics. I don't really have the time I mean here in Denver like when I moved out here I was living in my SUV wow. and so I was hitting mics or going and watching a show seven nights a week uh two three while living in your car night. yeah because it was the only way for me to that's escape. intense it was the only way for me to escape you know what that's why I like you because <laughs> you no honestly it's hard to meet people who are comedians who actually fight for what they want yeah. and they don't let the excuses of oh I have children or oh I have work or oh I'm too tired or oh this is this or oh this is that yeah I see your passion it's it's awesome that's so I got cool. I mean my kids I had kids early so I got all I got like I've lived many I've lived I feel like I've lived multiple lives uh in my life I mean because I've had like a religious phase as an adult I I've had I've had these phases uh, that last for, you know, three, four years. And I, everyone assumed when I started comedy that this was going to be another one of them. Um, yeah. And now, I mean, yeah, they, 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 they knew it wasn't like a year in. But like when I initially started comedy, they, they were like, yeah, well, Helen's going to, she's not going to stick to this. She's going to, it's going to be too hard and she's going to quit. And because uh, if, if things are too hard, I usually quit. If, if I had started comedy and I bombed the first time, honestly, I probably wouldn't have got up there because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have went, I don't know. I don't know if I'd went back. Given my past history, if I'm not good at something right away, I just assume it's not for me. <laughs> but it's not to say that comedy isn't hard. Um, you just have to have that passion for it, that love. It doesn't have to be as hard. I think a lot of people, this is my fucking opinion, and I mean, and I've toured a little, like around the Midwest. I haven't gone to a, a lot of other really big scenes besides Denver, 
but I talk to a lot of comedians online and, and doing the podcast and stuff. So I have a lot of friends in those scenes. Um, a lot of people travel through Wichita more than you would think. So putting on shows like impromptu shows for people coming through, I've done that like Mo Alexander and um, some Denver comedians, Sam talent and stuff. Me and my little brother used to do that. But um, I just think that some people get, they get too wrapped up in the, making friends with comedians outside of comedy like actual friends that uh versus like i have friends in comedy but i don't like hang out with them i don't like go to the movies with them i don't go do things with them i don't uh get in i don't get involved in their daily struggles of life i don't you know what i mean like they're comedy friends and um i don't date them and i don't I don't get myself involved with them except for in professional comedy reasons or hanging out with them at mics. And it's probably smart to have that. Well, they're all so much younger than me. We don't really have a lot in common to hang out. No. Honestly. I mean, they're all like, I mean, my roommates even, they're all like 28 to 32 years old for the most part. No. Or honestly, one of the closest comedy friends that I've made, and, and you have to understand like before the pandemic, it was only like six months, five months that I was in it. So she's in her fifties, I think. I think I don't know. I still don't know her age. <laughs> I still haven't even asked. But and 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 we get along. I just like her. I like her better than the other girls my age. To be honest, <laughs> something about I don't know. She sees things for for like the reality of it. She used to be an alcoholic, and so she's she's got she's grateful for life. Wisdom. Um. It helps you stay above all that drama and shit. And I, I don't know if it's because of my age um, or maybe I'm just self-absorbed. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just am like super focused on um, my goals. And if I'm not going to let anybody get in the way of those goals. Uh, and um, That's smart. That shows dedication. But I don't make friendships. I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like trying to like, I'm not, I don't see people and be like, oh, they can help me further my goals. I'm going to use them. You know what I mean? Um, but you don't I, seem like that. You don't seem fake like that. No, I mean, a lot I, of comics that are, I can tell when they're, they're fake. Yeah. I just, I like, I have comedians I look up to that are at the level I want, but I don't kiss their ass or anything. I, you know what I do? I go watch their fucking shows. That's what I do. That's all I do. I go watch their shows. I consume their content. I watch their shows. I watch their videos. I listen to their podcasts. I, I consume their content um, if I if I really enjoy them. And um, I I do call some of them are my comedy friends now, which is crazy. There are like I had like at Christmas time we had like the comedy party i i took over running the 5280comedy.com like the website for colorado comedy okay. like posting on it and stuff and i'm actually building a better one a new one that's geared more towards the audience and not travel because we like our site is geared towards like traveling comedians like here's who to contact to get on shows when you're in town oh, wow. into that. here's where all the mics are and stuff like what? that and so website for all this and you're shutting it down no it's not shut down I'm trying to get it back up now that things are coming. I need to update it. Right now, the 5280comedy.com website currently is donated to the GoFundMe to help Denver Comedy, 
Denver comics. I live, one of my, like my room, the main roommate, I should say, that kind of rents out the rooms essentially of this place <coughs> is a comedy producer and he started this GoFundMe thing. And oh. so, um, yeah, so, but you know, eventually it'll get back to normal. So, I mean, but I'm at the link for the GoFundMe if it's still on. It is. If you go to 5280comedy.com, it's there. Okay. But, uh, but I'm at the Christmas party and I'm really high and it's at, there's a comedian couple here who opened a bar. So it's at their bar. It's really cool. Okay. And then, um, I'm standing there and like around me are these people that, that, that I just have always admired since before I started comedy because I, you know, I lived here before I enjoyed comedy and yeah. now they're like, they know who like they're like, people that when I come into a room say, Hey, Helen, what's up? And it's just, you know, sort of like comedy friends, like yeah. Adam Peyton Holland and Christy Bukley and Chris Charpentier. I was just like standing there just like, ah! and uh, Adam Peyton Holland. Cause I was like, Adam Peyton Holland was talking to this other person and then they were kind of looking towards me. And I was at first, I was just kind of like, listening to their conversation and then I looked over and I noticed who was all around me and I was like thinking about how I could walk up to any of them and be like hey and start talking to them and how awesome mm -hmm. that is and I just got lost in the moment and but my I don't know what my face looked like but Adam was like are you okay and I was like <laughs> yeah man and I walked away and I, I just went I just left and I got in my car I was like I'm too high to be here right now so I went and got in my car until I was not so high and then I drove home. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was crazy that these people are like my, my friends or at least my, um, not coworkers, but you know, they're still way above me in like time and talent and, uh, you know, shit like that. But just to be able, that's all I really want. I don't care about, I just want to be, I want to be, yeah, like Rodney Dangerfield. I just want to be like Rodney Dangerfield where all these comics, I help these comics get their careers started and then they love me forever. <laughs> now I see why you wanted to start the cult. <laughs> I just, man, I'll get to, I'll get to be just this bum that hangs out in their guest house. I'll just, you know, stay a month or two at this one and they'll be like, all right, dudes, I'm leaving like out of nowhere. You never know when Helen's going to leave or go, you know, yeah, I'm going to, can I come stay in your guest house until I don't want to stay there anymore? That's basically like last time I visited Kansas, I was like, I'm going to come back to Wichita for however long I feel like being here, which turned out to be a week. Um, and that's like when I, when I go visit Nebraska, unless I have, a, now that I have dates for things that I have to do, I'll have dates. I have to come back, but I was like gonna go visit Nebraska just for however long I felt like being there. If I was there for another month, whatever. I, I and I just leave when I don't want to uh, be there anymore. That's why I bought a bus. I'm gonna build it out. Whoa! Like what kind of bus? Like a school bus? Um, no, it's like a handicapped transport bus. Okay. Oh, those are so, oh, you're gonna be oh, that's so cool. I have an Instagram going yeah. in the bus. It's. Originally, I was going to build it just to live in full time, then I stayed for it in it a week, and then I was like, I don't know if I, I may be too old, like just physically, 
to handle living in a bus full time. I don't know. Um, uh, like yeah, I, I couldn't. I could only do it if I had like a lot of marijuana and blankets. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of marijuana. Like yeah. I live in Denver. Like right. I leave Denver for any amount of time. I stop up. I hope I never get pulled over. I'm definitely getting a felony in Kansas. But I'm just a sweet friends little, in Colorado, and she grows her own. I'm a sweet yeah. little white lady. I got pulled over in the middle <laughs> of Nebraska at 2 a.m. Uh, when I left Wichita, I went to Nebraska for a couple months before I came to Denver because I was scared. And <laughs> I was like, because Wichita is so small, and it wasn't I was scared of the Denver comedy scene because I've traveled out here so much over four years that I already knew people and felt comfortable here. It was like trying to survive and financially support myself in Denver. I was afraid it was going to like suck the life out of me. So, but yeah, I got pulled over in the middle of nowhere. I've been smoking weed for like four hours inside my enclosed car. There's oh. no way that my car didn't smell like marijuana. And the cop just let me go wow. um, with, with a ticket. And he said, yeah, if you get pulled over again, just show them this and you'll be on your way and get that fixed in the morning. Cause my taillight was out. And, wow. and I almost, the cop, <laughs> I'm handing him, you know, I had, I had like probably an ounce of weed and like 16 grams of shrooms. Um, but I was in a minivan. I had my little dog and my minivan's just full of my belongings. I've got all my material possessions down to what will fit inside a minivan, um, or an SUV. So I can just pack up and go. Well, I did. Now I have more, I have more stuff, <laughs> but, um, you yeah. Have, so you have the crazy life. Yeah. Crazy in a, in a non- non-mental health issue way <laughs> i think a lot of it did have does have to do with mental health issues okay. i've just gotten lucky that they've worked out um yeah it's just i i always felt like i was supposed to be doing more than living a normal life uh i mean obviously i felt like for a long time i thought like you know i had kids and that's just i always wanted to have children and i just like I don't know, thought that, that, that was going to be the thing, you know what I mean? Like having kids and being a mom, that was going to be like the thing that fills the hole inside me. And, um, it's amazing. I love my kids and they've given me 15 minutes, of very good material. Um, <laughs> but no, I love them. They're great. Uh, I'm glad that part of my life is over though. I mean, I, I nostalgically think miss them being little just because of, they're so cute and adorable and they love you and love you and there's less to be worried about because you have complete control of their life and they can't make their own terrible bad decisions that you <laughs> watch them suffer through because there's nothing you can do or like breakups man my older boy he's 19 now but like when he was 16 he had a breakup with his first like they were together like two and a half years so a long time and he has Asperger's, so that added a whole layer of problems, and he was just so fucking upset, and it was like nothing I could do, but then after, I'd say, six months, nine months, I stopped, like, nine months after they broke up, he was just walking around the house crying one day, just looking at his phone, and then he was in the kitchen making a bowl of cereal, and he's just like, and <laughs> 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 crying just in the middle of the kitchen, and I was like, Caleb, man, Go cry in your room. I don't want to be mean. <laughs> but shit, dude. Like, I get it. You're sad, but 
come on, it's been nine months, you know, like cry in your car, cry in your <laughs> room. You don't see me walking around. Nine months. Fucking oh, crying man. all the time. That is a hard break of it. You're still crying after nine. I usually, okay, usually I'll give it at least two or three weeks of me, like full on crying at any moment, at any time, just what? my parents, they know that this is just normal. Yeah. <laughs> This is a normal Linda behavior until eventually I stop crying and I do get over it. But those three weeks, yeah, you're going to be hearing a lot. I don't cry. Uh, the last, no, 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 I do. But like the last relationship or whatever, the guy I was dating when we broke up, I was not sad about our breakup at all, which is probably a sign uh, that it was a good That's thing. not a good sign. I Actually, crying after a breakup is a sign that it's, it was probably a yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed his company. Um, he was okay. There was no future there. There, that I knew that there was no Is future. He there. No, no, I've never. I, 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 I fucked an open micer for a minute. Ooh, um, I did that. I times. thought we were dating. Faked in my life. <laughs> I thought we were dating, but apparently we were just having fun. Um, Comics are always like that. It is always about just friends with benefits except for you don't even want the friendship part he's an idiot i don't want to hang out with him um no uh i'm not opposed to like dating a comedian or um oh i i warn everyone don't do it don't do it i'm not opposed if something if something organically grows from a friendship I have with a comedian and I I'm pansexual, so it doesn't have to be a male comedian, but if something organically grows with a comedian, I'm not going to shut it down. Uh, if it feels right, but I am not seeking it out anymore. I have sought it out. I seek it out in my mind, but I don't put any action to it really. Um, uh, you know, I, I did for a while, especially over the pandemic, I developed multiple crushes on, on some male comedians here. It's in hard not to crush on them because they're yeah. hot and they're funny oh, and okay. everything Jen Apatow has shoved down our throats in the last 20 years has been like, you have to like ugly people because they're funny. <laughs> I've always liked, uh, I've always had a thing for like chubby, nerdy guys that are kind of awkward and this is what i mean you and i would be great like wingmanging each other because we have similar tastes and guys gotta like the same is the problem we oh well maybe i'll change to hot guys but i like i I don't know what your age range is though so that's probably my i I don't know i'm done with older guys I actually have not, for the last six years, I've been dating dudes between the ages of 28 and 32. And, um, but like I was like 20. So married older. I was married. My last husband, I've been married three times. My last husband was, uh, holy shiznat. My last husband is now 32, but he was 28 or 29 when we got together and then like 31 yeah he was 28 when we got together and 31 when we split up um which was like a year and a half ago so you know i was i'm 10 years older than he is and um 
I really, I really feel like most men, unless something happens to them after the age of 30, really kind of mature to 30 and then that's it. Um, I mean, they may mature a little bit after 30, but by 30, whatever it is, is what it is in my experience. <laughs> and old guys are tired and they don't want to go out and they want to sit at home and watch TV and they're fucking boring. Not comedian old guys, <laughs> like normal old guys. Uh, normal <laughs> comedian old guys that are still out hitting it hard um they're okay but yeah like regular dudes in their 40s and 50s are fucking boring and they have hernias and back problems and they're like Ugh, and they're always in pain they always have heartburn they can't eat this and they can't eat that and they're fucking obnoxious and annoying and boring yes. and uh and not to go for older guys <laughs> yeah well i've only been when i say older guys I've, i'm talking between like 33 to 37 yeah that's that's the oldest i was dating since i was like early 20s i think the biggest difference between me and a guy oh because i used to only date older was like eight years um but usually they were like three years two to four years older than me um that's a good age too yeah it didn't matter I, i I've met guys in person. I've met guys through friends. I've met guys online. I've dated older guys. I've dated younger guys. I've dated um, black guys. I've dated white guys. I've dated Hispanic guys. Um, it all. I need to date it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it all sucked. Is like, at the end of the day, it's all not worked out. At least it hasn't all sucked. It's all not worked out. Um, for one reason or another. So it doesn't really seem to have mattered. I am the common denominator. Wherever I date, <laughs> there I am, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, trying to find, finally accepting that there's part of me that is the problem, it, even if it's just the people I'm choosing to be with. And people are like, well, you can't help who you fall in love with. And I'm like, yeah, you can actually. Um, I just don't let certain dudes get near me. Like, I don't want to smell you. I don't want to <laughs> you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, I don't want oh. you making me laugh. I don't want you in my head at all. Stay away from me. You're, you're going to drag me. I need more of that. Honestly, can you teach me some of that? Because I, if I, if I can only tell you the horror stories that I've, I've encountered with some of these comics. It's just the way <laughs> of age, honestly. I think it's like, I talk to, you know, like, I have my friend, Sarah, she's like 10 years younger than me. And I'm just like, man, I can't wait for you to be 40. Um, <laughs> it's just some shit that comes along with age. Like for me anyway, like I just stopped giving a shit about so much stuff, like trying to like pick my battles and decide what I'm truly passionate about and what's worth my, what's really worth my energy to, to, to pursue and what's not, uh, whether it be a cause or standing up for something or keeping my mouth shut about something or, whatever it is like, to find a filter still yeah and um just being able to being able to just um recognize early on that somebody and i especially when it comes to dating are not going to be compatible and like it's like people think i'm like being too picky or that i'm maybe shutting out some people that might be great for me but i'm like i'm really not i like <laughs> 
I know myself well enough to know what I can do and what I can't do and what I can handle and what I can't handle. And it's not always even that I think that they're awful people or that they wouldn't make me happy. But there are times when I'm like, I'm not going to be able to fulfill their needs, uh, especially if one of their needs is to have lots of space or if their needs are to not talk every day or, you know what I mean? And there's people out there that require that kind of relationship and I can't provide that. I want to talk to you every day. Um, so yeah. I mean that too. Yeah. And it's not that I'm better or worse because you know, like there's something wrong with them because they don't want to talk to me every day or that I don't take it personally like I used to in my twenties and thirties. I just recognize that there's different people that, they have different boundaries and that, you know, and different needs in their life. And, and I, I can't fulfill those needs and they can't fulfill my needs. So why bother trying no matter how much I enjoy your company or how great the sex is going to be at the end of the day, this is going nowhere and it never will go anywhere. So why bother? I finally listened to my dad's advice. Um, I'm trying to anyway, my dad's only dating advice was if they're not worth marrying, they're not worth dating. Like don't even they're not waste worth your time. marrying. They're not worth dating. I need to write that shit down. I'm not gonna lie. I know that's gonna help me one day. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I don't have a desire to get married ever again. I don't need marriage to. You know, I, it's not really about marriage. But if they're not, yeah. If if you know I'm young, that. <laughs> and yeah, I'm done trying to fix people and help dudes too. That if if you're what if you're if you're a fixer, stop it right now. You can't fix them. You can't help them. Can I tell you something? Like, I have a friend, a comic friend, who recently got dumped by another comedy person. And this comedy guy, he, she tried, she, she came into it thinking she could fix him. And it turns out he was just the, the worst piece of scum. And the horrible thing right now is he's still in the scene. He still is not kicked out. And it's like, why is he still? And in fact, you remember I told you about that Toronto comedy group, the one with 5,000 people? Yeah. It actually recently got archived because there was a lot of like drama surrounding the whole Chris Elliott thing. I think that's um, why it got shut down. Yeah. So this motherfucker, I'm oh, sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to No, swear. go ahead, pass away. This, this guy, he... He dumped my friend about a month ago, a month and a half ago, without even saying it to her face. And we actually found, you're not going to believe this, we actually found a Nazi dagger amongst his things hidden in her apartment. And, like, she's a hoarder, so she doesn't have everything in her apartment, like, She's not, she doesn't have everything tidy and order. Yeah. Like, she would have found it had she not been, like, searching for it. Like, she was searching for hidden drugs and stuff that he might have had. Because he, he made it seem like he was sobering up, that she was helping him. Yeah. But he was secretly going out, doing drugs. So she found, actually, drugs beside the Nazi dagger. Yeah. Imagine that. And she's Jewish. Oh my God, and and it was beside her like Jewish grandmother's like heirloom, um, uh, box or something, and and he put it there three feet away from where she was sleeping. A Jewish girl, oh, Jesus Christ, a full Jewish girl. 
Isn't that messed up? That's fucked That's up. the Toronto comedy scene for you. And yeah. this guy, this guy, well, see, this is the thing is she knew this before she started dating this guy. This should have been her first warning. He, he was taking out a few, he was driving a few comics to an out of town gig. And he, he was, he was apparently inebriated and uh, did a hit and run. So he, he, he hit the back of a car. The comics didn't want to go back in the car, but he didn't want to wait for the police. So he left. Like drove out the car? Went to the show that they were all supposed to be at. I don't know if he's in trouble with the police or not. No one has verified. He left them on the side of the road with the, with the car he hit and went to the show. Did he perform? And he's still getting booked. He's still getting gigs. Not that it matters, but is he talented? Is he funny? No. He's ah, horrible. That's always the worst one is when they're not even funny. They're not even funny. They don't have any jokes. And actually, in fact, um, my friend, she found cue cards. She found cue cards with her jokes on it. And he was writing as it was his own. So he was stealing her jokes as well on top of all that. Jesus. And that's not even the worst thing he did to her. <laughs> that's, the Nazi tag is not even the worst of it. Jesus. This is, yeah. this is why there needs to be a reform, honestly. You know, but, yeah, the Denver scene, I was just talking to my friend about this. Uh, there are still people in this scene that should have been kicked out um there's some it's it's not really a problem as the newer people come up they're they're we're doing a better job of like at least keeping not booking them you know they're staying but they're not talented um uh but there are some people in the scene who are talented funny comedians but they're also predators and awful humans and so they're still getting booked um and then yeah, there's 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 one that, from what I can gather, is probably a straight up rapist. And wow. the girl that came out moved away. And at the time that all this happened years ago, the, the she didn't get like a lot of support from people that are now denouncing this guy and having no problem not booking him and calling him a rapist. But at the time years ago they didn't stand up for her and she just felt, you know, she just moved away because she just wow. needed a different start. She didn't get the support she needed in the scene. I don't think, I don't think it would happen like that now to the degree that it did. So we have gotten better, but there's still a lot of past, but he's still getting booked is a thing. And he got moved up at comedy works. Um, so he, you know, he regularly MCs at the club. And so it's like, but there haven't been any accusations against him since he uh is still kind of kind of creepy but his reputation follows him and so he's he's not able to do what he would want to do because he can't get away with it anymore so at least there's that progress in our scene now if we could just stop booking him but he got moved up at comedy works so that's not going to happen um once you think you find it's like there still needs to be so much still so much to be done in this in this scene for yeah. sure but i think denver comedy is 
I mean, like I, I said, I've talked to a lot of people in a lot of different scenes and I've taught, I've traveled, you know, mostly in the Midwest, like Have Iowa, Nebraska. Huh? Have you been to Canada for comedy? No, I've never been out of the country ever for anything. I haven't done When everything it. opens up, you now have a connection. Yeah. I have to get like a passport and shit. Um, I, uh, I know I haven't gone to Seattle. I haven't gone to Portland. I haven't gone to LA. I haven't gone to New York. I haven't gone to Austin. Um, Atlanta. I was supposed to go to Atlanta. You know, there's some bigger scenes here. I, I, I haven't gone to, but I know comedians there, female and male. And, um, plus I'm, I, I like, pay attention to Facebook groups and I see the drama and the bullshit that goes on in other scenes. Um, Denver comedy is unique in its publicness about its drama, uh, which can be very entertaining for people that don't live here. Like when I didn't live here and I lived in Wichita, whenever some, and it's not necessarily about men and women and, and, you know, rape and stuff, but just like any sort of beef in a Denver comedy scene if you're friends with both comedians, you're seeing both their fucking passive aggressive posts, <laughs> uh, and that, that eventually turn into, that eventually turn into straight out calling people out, uh, in groups and in their personal posts. And you just, and then, you know, you see the fucking 140, you know, you just get some pop, <laughs> um, which was real fun. Don't listen to them. That's too, that's too much drama. It was fun when I wasn't here, you know, <laughs> but, but now that you're involved. Well, because now I'm here and I have to listen to it at mics. I have to listen to it, you know, and I have to listen to people talk about it outside the mics and shit and in person and everyone's hot take on the, on whatever the fuck's going on. And I'm just like, <laughs> and it, it kind of ruins the scene and makes it not as fun for a minute when you live in it because yeah, because that, what you're seeing online is happening in person. And I, I, that's what fucking, I can't, it's not fun once you're in it once you're in it and it happens, you, something like that blows up. You're like, God damn it. This is going to fucking ruin the next two weeks at least. <laughs> it blows over or something new happens. But yeah, I mean, but that's, it's, it's a thing in all the scenes. It's just, I don't think that a lot of the scenes from what I've seen are so public about it. Like Denver comedy is. Um, <laughs> but at least, you know, back to the whole racist thing, at least I know who to avoid at Mike's. You know, there's always yes. there's a group of us that don't give a shit to get involved in it, and we yes. So I or I, I just do what I can leave. Like, don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah. I want to go to Denver now. You need. I'm so jealous that you guys have comedy. I honestly, like I'm telling you, we don't know. We don't know if it's gonna be one month, two months, five months. We have. They're not telling us shit. There's there's <laughs> there's there's places in America that have even more comedy than we do. Uh, already um you know it's just a matter of time for it's going to get shut down again but <laughs> I really you know I'm just focused on trying to get well because my I produce shows and all the shows I produce are fundraisers for the nonprofit, and so yeah I just started that this year too so I was just getting all that going to start making some money I had a my art of female comedy festival planned here I did it last year in Wichita I had it planned here. It was going to be four days instead of two. It was going to be at two locations. It was going to have sketches and improv and a film and maybe some other short films if I was going to, could find some that were comedy related and produced or starred in. Or, it had to be women or queer centric in some way. They had to either be like 
yeah, producers of it or, you know, somewhere up in the hierarchy of the making of the film and um, preferably all of it. But um, yeah, so it was going to be like this whole fucking thing and I had to cancel it. Uh, it's all right. He'll be back. I can do it again next year. It's no problem. But yeah, it's, it's been a rough, it's been rough, but you know, no one I know has even gotten coronavirus that I'm aware of. I, my mom thinks she got it, but uh, she was fine. She didn't tell me, she didn't tell me she was sick because it was in the middle of all my, it was like the day that I got fired and I broke up with my boyfriend. I called her crying. Apparently she was sick during that time and just didn't tell me because I was already so upset. Yeah, I had a, I had a, like the darkest conversation I've ever had with my mom that day. Like I was crying. I was like, I'm just so tired, mom. I don't want to die. I just, I'm just so tired. And she was like, no, don't do anything to yourself. It would, it would kill me and your kids and blah, 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 blah. You know, this shit they always say. And I was like, you know what? But you have to understand that my sick brain is telling me that if you loved me, you'd let me go. Like you wouldn't want me to be in pain anymore. And she was like, what? This is, this whole pandemic thing has really helped my mom understand my mental illness for sure. Like in a way that she's never had any, she's no, never had to deal with it. Huh? That's a good premise. You know, how, yeah. how, how, um, norm, uh, what do you call it? People who don't have mental health issues. <laughs> yeah. Uh, neuro people, neurotypical. Neuro Neurotypical, because I have mental health issues as well. I've been diagnosed uh, depression and anxiety when I was 15. So mm -hmm. I, I should have been when I was 15, but I wasn't until I was like 30. So. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Mental health issues and uh, people, neurotypical people understanding them better. Oh, yeah. And now they understand what it's like to, to be a... Um, unmotivated to be depressed to be to feel anxiety mm -hmm. just even thinking about the corona and that anxiety that's what we feel when there's nothing wrong yeah and they don't understand that that's what my mom that's really going to the grocery store and her anxiety about going to the grocery store um she was telling me about it and i was like mom you understand that that's my normal level of anxiety going to the grocery store like, yes exactly. i've cried in the grocery store thinking he's like i can't even imagine i can't even imagine it being worse than the anxiety i have going to the grocery store and i was like well that's just my normal baseline anxiety i hate going to the grocery store she never understood why i hate going to the grocery store i it, yeah, I've always hated going to the grocery store. I don't like all the noises and all the people and they, they crowd you in. And um, yeah, I get like, when all these like, like school shootings and then the, the mass shootings and shit happen, um, like I was in college. I mean, I was in college as an adult. So this was like 2010, but um, I would choose where I sat in a room based on where I would be most likely to survive should someone come in there and start shooting the place up. Like which door are they going to, like if it was a big auditorium one, I would sit way in the back by the back exit because I feel like if they were going to come in, most of the time they come in shooting, they're going to come shoot down where the oh professor's at. They have those rooms. Where there's only, yeah. They have like, rooms where there's only one door in or out and there's no windows. So in those rooms, I just get in the furthest corner from the door in hopes that, something happened that just as much space between me and where a shooter might be at 
when I go to a movie theater, I fucking. I was just about to mention the movie theaters. You yeah. probably hate movies. <laughs> yeah, I I had a lot of problems with it at first. Yeah, because um, since that um terrorist attack, right? Uh, in 2012 in Aurora here. Yeah, there was this. Oh, was that in Colorado? Yeah. And I was here on vacation when that happened in 2012. Um, I wasn't living here yet. I moved here from 2013 to 2015 and then moved back and came back last year. And um, yeah, we were here on vacation, me and three of my kids and my little brother. And um, yeah, after that, I got really in like, I don't know if it was the Christmas after that or the Christmas after no, it would have been like years later, like whenever the new Star Wars came out and it was a big fucking deal. My family, me and all my children, all four kids, my mom, my little brother and me all went together to watch it. And I was fucking terrified. The place was completely packed. Um, everybody that I truly care about in the world who, if they died, it would destroy me was in that room. And, uh, I, I, I knew that the, if somebody came in shooting, there's no way, what was I going to fucking do? There's too many, but I actually made a plan with my, like, my mom's like, don't worry about me. Cause I can't, she can't run. And we're like, fuck you, mom. And uh, <laughs> so in, in an attempt to squelch, this is what my family, instead of just saying, stop worrying about that. We, we, we discussed, we, we helped my fears by coming up with a couple plans, uh, contingency plans. Should someone come in there shooting? Should there be a fire? What we're going to do from our seats while we're sitting, waiting for the movie. We're like, it's okay. If there's a fire, we'll do this or that. You know what I mean? And so, uh, that helped a little bit, but I was just so fucking stressed out that whole fucking movie. Uh, just, just cause it was like on Christmas day, it was opening day. The place is packed. Uh, what better day to fucking start killing some people? You know what I mean? to get some attention, to talk the Aurora shooter, to, you know what I mean? It's just, I was terrified that somebody was going to get killed that day somewhere in the country. Um, but it all turned out okay, obviously. We're <laughs> but wow. it was so fucking stressful. Um, but, you know, yeah, I already think, of, I've already think, think and worry about germs and what my hands are touching and what other humans have been touching and people... Uh, getting too close to me as it is. I actually love this six feet apart thing. I hope we can <laughs> forever. Um, I like to stand like with my hands on my hips and my elbows out a lot. And, and I, I end up getting in people's way and I've been standing there like looking at something in an aisle and I'm like, Oh, my arms. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and um, actually I was, I have a joke right now. It's, uh, it's right now it's fat people heaven right now it is fat people heaven and i also have another joke where it's kind of a callback it is depression heaven <laughs> well you have it looks like that's right now you have a big chest like i do and it sticks out some like you know my boobs stick out this far from my fucking body like eight inches probably <laughs> and so that's a lot of space i need um right there i need at least a foot I need at least a foot to not be touching me in some way. I got a big butt. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I got well, things that stick out. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything is just protruding out in all yeah. directions. <laughs> my boobs and my butt accidentally get touched all the time. And people are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, especially like male comics who accidentally touch my boobs. They're immediately like, please, I'm fine. 
No. <laughs> it, does, it happens accidentally all the time. You're just trying to scoop past them to get on stage, or they're trying to scoop past you because there's so many fucking people. And, you know, you're trying, but, like, there's so much that sticks out on me, it's hard to get around me without touching my boobs or my butt. It's very, very true. Like, and so I can, I can tell an intentional from an unintentional boob and butt touch. I've <laughs> I dealt with a lot uh, of both, so uh, I can tell the difference. But there's, I still get, like, that purposefully accidentally touching the ass in concerts that still happens to me i wish i wish there was more i wish guys were such dicks that's the thing about my that's the thing too is like well i guess i look younger than i am uh but still i don't get a lot of that i don't get a lot of that anymore at all which is great yeah i don't get cat called i don't i still I get, get my ass grabbed by inappropriately without consent that's still a thing yeah i don't go to a lot of concerts anymore though (laughs) i I love concerts i miss it so much they're too loud (laughs) (laughs) i love no it's loud and my back starts to hurt i need it i'm one of the people that needs a chair now i want a seat i'm paying for this (laughs) i ain't general admission it on the fucking floor no i'll pay for me (laughs) Um, no, I still like moshing. It's crazy. Even with yeah, my yeah. fibromyalgia, I'll still, I still, well, the last four for a month, but the last time that I, that I tried to really get into a crowd, um, and like crowd surf when I was like 25, I think, um, they dropped me and I've had four kids. So I wear a pee pad now. Um. I, wasn't wearing, <laughs> I wasn't wearing pee pads yet, but they dropped me and I peed my pants because I drop oh. it right on my like my legs in the air my body in the air like right on my tailbone and um I only got dropped because there was this group of like preppy ass fucking kids and like three boyfriends three girlfriends and they all jumped back instead of pushing me along so I wow. the whole they created oh, the worst. <laughs> so I jumped up and I yelled at him I was like get the fuck out of here like why are you in the crowd this deep if you're gonna be like that but I had peed myself and you could see it a little bit I you know I could feel it and so the only way to get out of the crowd at that point is either go back up or you gotta like jump with them because they're moving (laughs) you gotta move with them to get out and so every time I'm jumping I'm pissing a little I'm pissing a little I finally get out and I go to the bathroom and I can see it and so I go (laughs) to the guy I was dating who was, who was sitting at the table because he's a pussy and um, <laughs> with his friends. And I'm like, I tell him what happened. And I tell him to spill my beer and he hits it with his elbow, but it lands straight up I'm like fuck. And so I wait till they're like all looking at the, at the music. And I just knocked my beer into my lap. I stood up all dramatic. I was like, ah, damn it. Ah. So it just looked like I spilled beer. <laughs> But then I, st- I was like, okay, I'm not crowd surfing anymore. So I <laughs> I'll still go in a crowd and jump up and down with a good thick pee pad on though. <laughs> well, I would like when I was like 30, I, it's been, it's been a while since I've been really, I think the last actual concert concert I went to was in like 2014, 2015, like not including like bar shows or whatever. Um, I went with my kid. It was the Toadies. They were here in Denver. My kid was like in eighth grade, seventh grade, and uh, he loves Toadies, and I love Toadies, and so um, it was. A, yeah, I know that band. 
And and because the toadies, the demographic of people that enjoy the toadies are people in their 30s and 40s and 50s, because uh, they were like a 90s band, yeah. um, their concerts are pretty, pretty calm. Um, people jump up and down and stuff, but there's no... I moshed when I was 17 at a Pantera concert <laughs> while on acid. Let me tell you about the first... Oh, wait, on acid? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good way to mosh. No, well, it did, I didn't mean... I was crowd surfing, right? Oh. Uh, when my acid is peaking, Pantera comes out and they got the red light on him and he's all sweaty and muscular and I was just like, this is the best moment of my life. <laughs> and then I fell into a mosh pit and, um, you know, I had short hair, no makeup on and a guy thought I was a guy and he grabbed me by the shirt and was going to punch me. And I was like, no, no, I'm a girl. And he grabbed me by the back of my shirt and the back of my pants and like threw me out of the mosh pit. But then once I got out, I was like, that was kind of, wow. that was kind of fun. So I got back in and the security <laughs> guard saved me once, pulled me and pulled me out of it. And then I got back in and he tried to save me again. And I was like, I'm fine. Don't take me out. Whatever happens, happens. And he was like, all right, little girl, you're on your own. And uh, <laughs> it turned out to be okay. There was this like, like the guy that was punching people got kicked out of the fucking mosh pit. Like it self-regulated itself. Like, they, you know, because that. That's not the norm of mosh pits. You're not supposed to be punching each other. Um, so, you know, yeah, by that time he'd gotten out. It was just a bunch of fucking sweaty, fucking crazy kids pushing each other around. And it was pretty fucking fun. Let me tell you about the story of my first crowd surfing. I went to a Green Day concert and I didn't know anything about moshing. I didn't know anything about rock concerts. Nothing, nothing. I was, I think I was 13 and I was in a pink skirt, and everyone was like dressed punk with like stretches in their ears. And wow. Everything was totally different. And I was with my mom, first of all. <laughs> this was like tiny little Latino lady. <laughs> and, and she's just so supportive. She knows how much I love Green Day. I was obsessed. I had a whole wall just of posters. So this was like the happiest day of my life. It's how old were you? Like out. I was, I think I was 12 or 13. Oh, Jesus. And so this was an outdoor, and I think there was thousands, okay, like thousands of people there that night. I, and so the first two bands go on, and there's nothing really happening in the crowd. Like, you can tell that people push forward to try and go to the front, but that's about it. Yeah. And they're usually guys who end up Get, getting to the crowd surf, they get to the front, and then they go all the way back to, you know, that whole yeah. roundabout thing. And when Green Day was about to go on, I stupidly, you know, this is at night, and, and I stupidly thought I had this under control. And I was like, Mom, please let me go by myself to the front, and I'll be, I'll try and find you later. And, like, I didn't think, I was stupid. She had never been to a concert. <laughs> She didn't even know a punk concert was about to happen. <laughs> and I'm in the middle of the mosh pit in the front. And Green Day comes on, and all of a sudden, everyone starts falling down like dominoes. Like dominoes. And I fell on top of this guy, and I actually couldn't get on top, couldn't get off of him because more people kept piling on me. And I, I actually remember peeing a little bit on top of this guy. <laughs> oh. Oh. 
Aww. And I started crying. And yeah. these two guys, they were like, we got to get her out of here. <laughs> so they... So they all gathered a group of guys and they all started lifting me up. And then another wave hit and everyone felt like dominoes again. And eventually they got me out and not even the first song finished and I'm being passed on by the security guy. And I don't know where the hell my mom is. So I ended up going to the police tent. I'm going to spend the rest of the show there. Oh my God. In the freaking police tent while my mom was being stepped on, but having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm stuck. Yeah. Please She's like, that was the best concert ever. <laughs> I love concerts. <laughs> she was so freaking upset with me at the end of the show. <laughs> me. And eventually the cops are like, we have your daughter. <laughs> this is this one poor Latino woman <laughs> in a field. Like, wedding. <laughs> Where's my baby? Uh, no, my, my first crowd surfing thing was kind of like that. I was 16. Uh, it was Pearl Jam. Uh, but they came on my 16th birthday. And oh, I went with my friend. Partying hard. Well, I went with my friend and his mom. She drove us. She stayed up in the seats, and we went down on the floor. And I left my glasses with her. I wasn't as blind as I am now, but I'm pretty blind. <laughs> and so I left my glasses with her because I didn't want them to get broken. Right. And so I go down there and like things have, the show hadn't even really got started yet, but people were already crowd surfing. And mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm going to do it, you know, before it gets crazy, at least for the first time. And so I like, just like tapped some dudes on their shoulder, did the up thing. And, you know, they threw mm -hmm. me up. I'd been to enough concerts and I've, I've been to several concerts, but I'd just never gotten into it. And, um, my friend's mom said she saw me fly through the air cause they really fucking catapulted me up. And so it catapulted me up. And so I ended up like maybe three rows of people back from the stage before Pearl Jam opened up. So when Pearl Jam, every, like you said, everything was fine. The crowd was moving around. Things were happening before Pearl Jam came out, but it wasn't insanity. But as it became like, as soon as the lights went down and you knew Pearl Jam was coming up, there was the push of the crowd. The crowd just yeah. pushes in on behind you and you're right up front. And it was a bunch of screaming girls is what it was. It was, it was like five rows of screaming girls. That's who pushed wow. to the front. And we were all trying to get as close to Eddie Vedder as possible. And <laughs> entire, like you said, the whole wall of people fell down. Um, yeah. And it was like dominoes, but I was on the bottom and oh, I was on the ground and I had my leg. It was a real like uh, family guy pose that I was in. Like my arm <laughs> was behind me, my leg was behind me. Um, oh there was God. all these people on me. I couldn't even see any light or hear Pearl Jam hardly. There were just so many people. On what? And I thought I was going to die. And this, uh, extremely attractive, muscly man just reached in out of nowhere and pulled me out and, uh, just straight up, like carried me out of the crowd. And, Holy uh, cause I had a zit on my face that had got scratched open. So I was bleeding here. I got a scratch here. So I was bleeding off the side of my face. Um, I didn't even realize it. I thought it was sweat. You know, I was just like, freaked out. He was like, are you okay? Are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. But he was so fucking ripped and muscly. Ah! 
I remember him carrying me out and he smelled so good and he just like he's hot skin and I was just like being saved by a fireman or something it was fucking amazing (laughs) he's like are you okay are you okay and I was like yeah I'm fine he was like you're okay now oh shit and I went to the bathroom but then I couldn't find my I couldn't find my friend's mom because I didn't have glasses I couldn't see shit once it got dark so I had to just like I cleaned myself up and I I I don't even remember what happened after that. Damn. I watched the rest of the concert. I know I did. But I, I, I don't think, I couldn't find my friend's mom until the lights came back on. Wow. I didn't go back deep into the crowd like I was. But I, I know I watched the rest of the concert. Um, yeah. I've broken so many glasses at shows you don't even know. Yeah. All because of the mosh <laughs> I would wear contacts Open now. glasses to mosh pits. What? Yeah, I got contacts when I was 17. So yes. it wasn't a problem at the Pantera concert. Okay. Pantera concert, I, I didn't, I showed up. I didn't have, I didn't plan to uh, take acid. There was this guy who was a college kid who was supposedly doing some sort of study. And he, the goal, the thing was, is you would take the acid and he would follow you around to study you for his study. And, uh, but he only seemed to be studying teenage girls. But me and my friends took his acid and then lost him because uh, we got into the mosh pits and he wouldn't get in there. And so um, he wouldn't go into the crowd. He was, a, yeah, he, he thought, it, I think he thought we were not going to do it or something. I don't know. But so I happened to be tripping on acid and I wasn't tripping on acid when I left and I pissed my ride off by calling because my ride and my cousin and my other friend, they're like three dudes. They were way up high. They didn't even get down in the crowd. And I went up there after I got out of the mosh pit, I think the second time I went up there, I was like, dude, you got to fucking come down there. It's so fucking cool. You, and they were like, no, nah, man, it's not safe. I'm going to get hurt. And I was like, you're a bunch of fucking pussies. And I just like, just really pissed him off. So he left me. And so when I come out and this concert place is like 30 minutes from my house where I lived and I come out and I'm like, I know the car is right here. And I had to ride home on the lap of a friend of a friend I'd met during the concert. And like, we're walking towards this tiny little two door car. There's a really fat guy and a real skinny guy. And I was like, man, I hope that the skinny guy is the passenger. Cause that's where I have to sit. God damn it. That's Lynette. you, right? Yeah. It was my friend Lynette. I'll call okay. her back. Yeah. But no, I had to sit on the fat sweaty guy's lap. I mean, he was a nice guy. He didn't like, but I was just like crammed up against a window with these uh-huh. strange dudes for 30 minutes, but, ah, oh, youth. I had a lot of fun. I've done a lot of things. Um, <laughs> you're, you're one of the coolest people I've ever met. Honestly, you have such a cool life. <laughs> it's true. Oh. We have a lot of things in common. Like I totally relate to you. It's oh, so many thank things. you. You need to get out more, but thank you. <laughs> if, it, man, if I'm one of the coolest people you've ever met, you're going to be blown away by Denver. <laughs> There's a lot cooler people here than me. Uh, they've written books and stuff. Uh, Sam Talent, Adam, Kate, and Holland. I mean, there's cooler chicks than me, too, but as far as ones that have some content you can consume, okay. uh, they both have books. Adam, Kate, and Holland's book is extremely great, but it's, 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 it's more around, like, uh, his sister killed herself, and it's about, like... 
all of that. It, he like he was on he got like a TV show uh, him and the Grolix a couple other guys here uh, those who can't and um, he got that show right after like all those like right after she killed herself like his comedy took off and uh, so wow. it's a really good book it's it makes you cry though but and then I haven't read That's Sam fun. Talent's book yet okay I was supposed to stay in Kansas for like I was in Kansas when I ordered his book and it got shipped to Kansas. So now it's at my friend Lynette's house. Okay. And I, so I haven't read it yet, but I've seen people talk about the it. Same and I know, Lynette? Huh? Same Lynette? Same Lynette that, that was just yeah. calling. Yeah. And she, uh, yeah, so I can't, I haven't read it yet, but I know it's good. I just, I know it's good. I've seen the other people talking about it, but it's called running the light. Running the light. Yeah. And I got, I got a signed copy of it. Wait, in Kansas, I need to have sent to me, but, um, yeah, so I will definitely of, check those out. There's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of stage time here. Uh, there's still, um, you know, the scenes was getting a little saturated with shows, but I think that the there's the biggest thing about Denver isn't even the scene. It's it's the audience. It's the people here that desire to consume comedy. They desire to consume alternative comedy DIY comedy uh, so there is a market here to support shows to actually get an audience at a decent you know a good show um, which is not something that is in Wichita so there's not for me anyway there's no now my friend John's calling me you're so popular and you say you're not cool like oh I don't like one of those cool people like, I'm not cool I just called a million of my friends right now. <laughs> John is a guy I dated for like six weeks that lives in Lincoln, Nebraska, who's uh, got uh, like uh, schizoaffective disorder and uh, it's just been my, I'm like, I don't know. I just, we talk and I'm like his therapist. He's like therapist Helen. Um, he has an actual <laughs> therapist, but. Uh, and then Lynette, yeah, Lynette, I'm kind of like her therapist too. But she's, uh, we <laughs> tried to date. David filled with a therapist. Yeah, I I end up fulfilling like a therapeutic role for people. But you know, I find trying to help people as their friend can actually work. Um, right. You have to care about the person. Yeah. And they have to trust you enough to listen to you. Yeah. But it's more like when you're friends, like I've been friends with Lynette for four years, so it's more like a slow building up. Right. I feel like that's up. the best friendships. Yeah. The friendships where you're immediately best friends right away, I always feel like those never, ever last. And well, I mean, as far as like, yeah, me building her up, me helping her... Like, I like to build people up, but when I'm friends with somebody, I can build them up slowly over time versus if I'm dating them, I want them to change and I want them to change everything right now um, because I'm with them every fucking day or whatever, <laughs> you know, with friends. I don't, I also, I'm not as invested in her. Like I love her and I want her to make positive changes for herself, but I don't have a personal vested interest in her becoming a better person. It's not going to impact my life directly one way or the other, whether she continues to gamble and drink too much, you know what I mean? Um, other than I'll be sad that she's not living her best life, but it doesn't impact my bank account, you know? Um, so it's not as much pressure to change. Uh, I feel like, no, that's, that's good to keep that boundaries with the friends. 
Yeah. So if you're helping them out, like, I mean, I'm like a nurturer. I'm like a healthy helper. I just, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I recognize that within myself and I, uh, like it within myself and the world needs helpers, um, of different kinds. It's just a matter of being more, uh, discriminate with who I invest that energy into, um, and knowing when to stop investing that energy in somebody because it's not doing any good or maybe what they really need is for me to cut them off. And I got one friend that he, he'll, he still tries to call me occasionally at two o'clock in the morning and I never take his calls because I know he's drunk. And I've told him, I'm not, I, I don't want to talk to you when you're drunk. I don't, it, I don't, I can't have, I you. can't handle that either. It's I can't have you in my life anymore. If you're going to continue to drink this way, cause you're drinking yourself to death and I can no longer watch it. Right. Um, I've cut, I've cut alcoholics in my life, like best friends. And mm -hmm. it's not that I say I, it always happens like this too, is when you mention that you, they have a problem, you don't even have to cut them out, out of their life. They don't, they, they remove themselves. Yeah. They don't want to listen to someone telling them, hey, you have a problem. Well, he knows he has a problem. Um, I've, I've dealt with friends who he just, didn't want to accept. He'll do good for a little while, and then he'll go back. And um, he's had a problem for a long time. I've known him for 16 years now, probably 15 years. And, I mean, granted, he is better than he was. But, um, I mean, the last time I really associated with him a lot was like 2012 and he was living with me, but you know, he was homeless and he got beat up outside the homeless shelter and he had this big old black eye and all of his shit got stolen and he just had nowhere else to go. And I felt bad. So you're, you're a giver. I let him live with me, but I had kids, you know? So I was like, you can't be drunk in my house. I don't let my kids see people drink and be drunk. Um, uh, you know, I don't want, because I don't want that to become like a normal part of their daily life to where having alcohol in your house and being drunk all the time is just how life is and how people are. I didn't want to normalize that behavior. So I didn't want them to associate with somebody in their household like that all the time. And he would try to just walk around with a bottle of water. Like it wasn't straight fucking vodka. Wow. Like I couldn't tell when he was drunk. Cause when he's sober, man, I love Troy. Sober Troy is 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 an is a great guy to be around he's positive he's fun he's a good looking man uh just piercing blue eyes and he is a charmer when he's he's amazing when he's sober but when he gets drunk it's not that he's angry he's just so sad and he just cries and he's just ugh. and i'm like why do you want to get drunk you seem to be much happier sober you know and um but eventually I was like, you got to leave. I, I don't care that you have nowhere else to go. Uh, Cause my boyfriend at the time was an alcoholic and he'd been so 